do, but if you just remain standing for a few minutes, we're going to read the, the word and then you can be seated. It's good to see all of you here today, and I pray that you've had a good week. I know that I say that, try to say that to you each week because we believe that a good week is better than a bad week. I said a good week's better than a bad week. And if it's not been good, if it hasn't been good for you this week, that today that changes. I said today that changes. I'm going to share with you in just a few moments about how I believe that it's important that the way you respond to where you are right now in life, that your response to where you are right now in your life, whether it's good or bad, can determine your future. It will make the difference in how tomorrow, the next day, and the next day can go. Do you believe that? It's true. Amen. So I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you will. We're going to read just a few verses. We're going to have prayer one more time, and then we're going to go right, uh, we're going to get right into this. We're going to dig into this. Last week, we started in a new series entitled, Growing Through the Wilderness. And we did that in... We're coupling it with a series that we're doing on Wednesday night called The Wilderness. And what we're wanting to do is for each of these to complement each other. And so I'm going to bring some things to you. Some of you that may have been there Wednesday night, you'll hear those, some of those things again. And some of you that weren't there, the 30 that was in that class uh, got it. And some of the 30, that well, the other 60 to 70 that weren't there will be able to hear that tonight. Will that be all right or some of that? But I'm also going to add some things to that. So I want to share with you from this scripture this morning. If you'll go with me there and let me read that and we'll pray. Every commandment which I give to you today, must be, you must be careful to observe. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 through 10. The Old Testament. I know it's warm. We've set the air conditioner. I know it was cold this morning, 44 when we drove in, and now it's like 84 in here. Not really. Uh, but it, and then some of you are going to be shivering before the service is over with. All right, let me start again. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I give to you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which I swore to your fathers to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep the commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you manna that you did not know. Let me back up and read that to you. I'm going to read that first verse again. Every commandment which I gave to you today, you must be careful to observe and live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers and you shall remember the Lord your God. Somebody say, and remember the Lord your God. And that's, that's, that's the basis of what we're going to talk about this morning. Remember the Lord your God that led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Somebody say, to humble you and to test you that you would keep His commandments or not. So He humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. I want you to notice that, that He fed them with manna, that you... Uh, and you did not know that you did not know, and your fathers know that he might take you, that you might know a man. Let me back up a little bit. I'm sorry, I've got a little bit. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with the manna. You did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you you know a man that a man shall not live by bread alone. I'm having trouble getting it out. I'm sorry, but. Man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out, 
nor uh, did your foot swell in those 40 years. Number five, you should know in your heart that as the man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. Verse six, therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now, there's a difference between fearing man and fearing God. We're talking about a fear that respects God, a fear that says, I will obey the Lord. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Somebody say it's a good thing. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and the hills. Verse 8, and a land of which wheat and barley and the vines and fig trees and pomegranates and all kinds of good stuff and a land of olive and honey. Verse 9, and the land which you eat... uh, that you will eat bread without scarcity. In other words, it's going to be there. There's going to be plenty of it in which you will lack nothing. Wow. A land whose stone, uh, whose stones are iron and out of whose hills can dig copper. Plenty of, of things. Verse 10, And when you have eaten and you are full, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given to you. Father, we ask you this morning to go with us. Father, we ask you to take this word, let it be purposed in our hearts, let us to understand what God you are speaking to us, what you are saying through your word to us. For we know, God, that your word will never go out, it will never return unto us void, it will never come back, God, to a void spot, but God, that it will always, Lord, uh, accomplish that which it's been spoken to. Father, we believe that, we agree in the name of Jesus for all these things, we pray it in his name. And everybody said. Amen. Would you give him one more hand clap of praise this morning before you're seated? Now, I want to to take to you, I want to take something to you. I've read these scriptures, or I tried to read them. I'm so used to now rolling through the New Living Translation. When I get into the King James and the New King James again, it's almost like I struggle with the shalls, the these, the thous, and some of the other things that are in there. And I believe that's one of the reasons that it's important for us to find something that you can read and understand. You need to be able to understand it when you read it. Not that I don't understand it, but I just know we don't talk with these and thous anymore. And when you try to, it's almost like you cut, somebody said you butchered the king's English. The first thing that I want you to understand is that we're talking about a wilderness. Now, when we think about a wilderness, most of us think about a physical place. We think about a place that you go to where you might feel like you're alone. I don't know about you, but I'll give you just a quick story. Uh, I have hunted probably most all of my life now. When I first moved here, I couldn't say that I had hunted as much as I would have loved to. I did a lot of bow hunting and, and duck hunting back in the day. But I would uh, go to these places because I didn't really have anywhere to go. And I would, I would go to these places like uh, public land. And if you've ever done anything like that, and then you walk in and it's like dark, complete dark. You, you just, it's complete dark. And you're, this is before the day of a cell phone and the compass on the cell phone. You got to know that the, that the moss grows on the north side of the tree, that the sun rises in the east, sets in the west. West, are you with me? That you know those different things. And so I would walk in a certain direction and I would get into this place that I'm not really familiar with. Let's just say maybe to, to do some squirrel hunting that you really didn't have to scout a whole lot for that. And then you get there, you sit down by this tree, you've walked in a hundred yards or so into the woods, you sit down, and then the day the sun starts coming up and you're kind of halfway sleeping, but you're kind of starting to look around and scout around. And then it's time for you to get out. 
Now, some of you guys have never been there before. But have you ever tried to walk out and you thought you were going in the direction that you thought you were going in but you weren't? And when you started walking that you ended up in a deeper place and you could not find... You're like, I know that my truck, I know that the four-wheeler I rode in on, it has got to be close. Something has to be close. I, got, I can't be completely lost. I have not been completely lost, but I can say that I was probably in a place that I wished I was not in. In a place that you want to cry out for help and say, hey, somebody help me figure out because I have gotten turned around here in a place I don't know. And when you go in, it looks totally different than when you come out. You walked in saying, okay, i got to remember, I just came by that stump. This, I walked over that tree. I went past this. You're trying to make sure that you're landmarking all of those places. Some of y'all are laughing, but you know you've been exactly where I'm talking about. And you can feel like that you are totally abandoned in that place. That nobody could hear you or know where you are. Can I tell you that it can be a physical place, but a wilderness can be a spiritual place that you end up in. And I wanted to say to you that when you're there, it isn't as if God has abandoned you or that He is a thousand or a million miles away. Sometimes God is using that place to teach you something that you needed to get. For us physically, it may be the fact that the moss still grows on the north side of the tree, that you walked in from the south, come on somebody, yeah, that, the, that the sun still rises in the east, sets in the west, all of those things, we need to remember them. And God is saying, what I want to do in a wilderness state that you feel in, which is a, a place that you find yourself in, whether it's a temptation, whether it's a trial, whether it's a situation financially that you don't know what you're going to do, God is saying, I can take that place place that moment and show you something and there's something that I need to do in you one of those things is I'm going to humble you that you remember who I am because I'm going to be honest with you it's very easy for us as a body of Christ to think in our minds well I got saved been saved going to church for all these years I'm doing pretty good finances look good things look good in my life and you kind of let pride start to be lifted up but God can find a way to humble you so that you remember who the Lord is he can find a way to check your faith to test your heart to see where your allegiance really is because it's one thing to say that you believe that God can do anything. It's one thing to say that you believe by faith that God can move your mountains like we sung about, but it's a whole another situation when it's knocking on your family's door and you're having to believe for yourself that God can do what He said He would do, but when you walk it out by faith and you believe that, that God is greater than any mountain that you're facing, that He's not only able to knock them down, He's able to move them out of the way that you can walk through. Listen to me. God wants to do that for you but don't discount the fact that you're where you are right now I want to give you the perspective from the scriptures that we read some very practical you may leave out of here and say that is the most simplest message I've ever heard but I want this to be practical you know, I, I think that some people think that if you don't go very deep into the Word, what's amazing to me, people who have sat in church for 30 years in a church and the pastor that just preached to them the Word, simply the Word, they show up into a spiritual, a spirit-filled church 
and they think that you've got to go to the deepest points in order to be there. But you don't. Some things, we just need to be able to walk out and say, you know what, I can practically apply that to my walk on Monday morning so that when I get up and the devil is beating me over the head saying I will not make it, that I cannot make it, that I'm going to fail, that I realize that it's God who's been leading me the whole time. It's God who's been taking care of me. He is the one who's watching out after me. Amen. So some practical points. I want, I want you to get this. Some of you have heard this, but remember that every season, we won't go to the book of Ecclesiastes, but we could, where he talks about that every season in our life has purpose. Everybody say purpose. But you need to see that, and it's, a, it's important that you discern the season that you're in to discover the purpose that you're, why you're going through it. Come on, somebody. You need to understand that every season in your life has a practical purpose. You may not get it. You may not understand. You say, well, I didn't believe that it was God's will that I'm sick. It isn't God's will that you're sick. Come on, somebody. It isn't God's will that you have tragedy in your life. It isn't God's will, a lot of things, but He can take those things that do not seem good in your life and turn them for good. He can let you understand. He can shake your way in such a, and align you like you never thought you could be aligned with, with something that has happened in your life. To help. Do you ever think that God allowed you and let you? You say, God could have mailed me a check for $500, would have made all the difference in my life. No, you'd have spent it on something you didn't need. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We, we have a tendency. But do you ever think that God may have allowed you in your life to go through what you've been through so that you, when you you deal with somebody else who's going through the same thing that you've got or you can say to them, hey, I have been your path. I have walked that path. I have been there. Be careful. The bridge is out. Be careful. This is not going to work in your life. I have seen it and this is what God did to help me through when I didn't know how I was going to get through. Listen to this. Every season has a purpose. Understanding and discerning the purpose for the season is very important. What season I'm in. Now I want to share this with you just, just quickly. You're going to hear this a few times before we're done this month in this. The purpose of the wilderness, or the first purpose of it, I believe with all of my heart, with everything that I can give to you, is this. Now remember a wilderness experience, what it is. A wilderness experience, it can be a trial. It can be suffering. It can even be temptation. Some of you that have been through the temptations you never thought you could ever get past. It's a wilderness season. It could be an experience where, where you're trying to figure out your you're trying to figure out how to your way. The first purpose of this, and this is one, and I'll, I'll share with you another in just a few minutes, is to mature you. Somebody say mature me. God wants to mature you. I mean, you ever said to one of your uh, kids or even an adult, you need to grow up. Some of you thought that about your spouse, but you didn't say it. You need to grow up. And the truth of it is, growing up is something that we all have to do. I mean, if you're still nursing your five-year-old, something is amiss here. Something, something's wrong. They need to grow up. It's time to, it's time to wean them. 
If you're still toting them around at six and seven, and I don't mean that they got hurt and you picked them up. I'm talking about they, you carry them more than they walk. Something is amiss. Hear me, listen to what I'm going to tell you. They will never learn to walk on their own. They will never learn to eat on their own until you allow them to get to a place. Because you know, uh, Bethany said something yesterday. I did share this. We got a little little dog, We, you know, a couple of them at the house. And they're more like kids to us than they are dogs. And some of you understand that if you've got a pet in the house. If you don't live with that pet, you can't get that. If you live with that pet, you understand that, Right? Right? And so she said, she said, I don't know, he won't eat. He's not eating. Now, you've got to understand something. When you're cooking in the kitchen, they don't get out from under your feet. And they're looking for you to drop something. And if you do drop something, you don't have to worry about it. All you've got to do, most of the time, he's like an alligator. He just, I mean, he's that quick. His nose isn't that wide at the end. Here's the point of all of this. I said to her, he will eat when he gets hungry. He doesn't need you to spoon feed him. He doesn't need you to bottle feed him. He doesn't need you to pick him up and cut him. He is several years old. He has been eating a long time, and he will eat when he gets hungry. You know what? We think with, our, with us spiritually, we think, well, I guess God's trying to do something in my life. Yeah, he's trying to get you to read your word, not just in a church service on Sunday morning, not just in a Bible study on Wednesday night, but get you to personally dig into your word because you need to get spiritually hungry. You know what spiritually hungry sometimes is? It's you looking for your way out of a temptation, of a trial, of a suffering, and trying to figure it out. Do you know why it is that we sometimes wait to pray until we get in the worst situations of our life when we in reality need to pray all the time. He said pray without ceasing but yet we wait until things get really bad. The suffering comes. The trial comes and then we say okay God I'm going to get in your word tomorrow. I will see what your word says. You know I know the pastor's been preaching and everything else but I need to get into your word. You know what? We need to have a hunger for God daily. We need to get into his word. We need to pray and say God my relationship with you is more than anything else. The life that I have, the air that I breathe. God, I need you. Amen. A hunger for God. So the first purpose is to mature you. And it is possible that through your trial, through your suffering, through your temptation, or your wilderness season to experience God. And why is this happening? Hear this. I need you to get this. The maturity in your life helps lead you to something called obedience. Now, as adults, we think, I don't need to be obedient. My kids need to be obedient. But the truth of it is, the Bible talks about you as a believer obeying the Lord. He told the children of Israel, you need to obey my commandments. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to read it today, but if you would like to jot it down, if you go to the book of Hebrews and you read in chapter 5, verse 8, you will find where Jesus was saying, basically, Lord, help me to understand. He was saying, teach me obedience. Let me be obedient. Okay? Jesus needed to have obedience to to the Father when he was walking here on earth. And it is in this time that God uses this thing that I have always called a school of faith. Now, school is one of those things it's, it is that God is trying to teach me something. He's, it's through this journey in my life that God wants me to see something. 
He wants me to get it. It, it. it was God's intention to bring the children of Israel through the wilderness in a short period of time. One, one author says that it was a year's time that he really wanted to bring them through. Others agree that he, they could have been through in 14 days. But it was God's plan to bring them through in one year. Now I'm going to tell you, I, I don't really understand completely all of the, the time frames of the wilderness experience. In other words, how long you're there. But I will tell you this, I do believe that God has a time frame that He wants to bring you through something. But only you, you can't shorten it, but you sure can lengthen it. And the way that happens is that is through your obedience. If God's maturing you, the other thing He wants to do through you is teach you obedience. Lord, that I, I hear what you're saying, I obey what you're saying, and God, I know that you've got me in this school right now, and I know that you want to bring me through, but Lord, don't let me pack 12 years of school into 40 years in the wilderness. You see, some of you re remember when you were in high school, and you remembered adults telling you that when you got out of school that life would be like that. I've just passed 30 years out of high school. And some of you got more, a lot more years than that out of high school. But if you would have told me in 1987 that, that, that life would be like that, 30 years, I would have been married 30 years, three kids later, and all, all of the, I would have said, you are crazy. But life goes quick. But hear me. When you're in a situation, a wilderness experience, you sure don't want 12 years of schooling to be drug out in 40 years in a wilderness experience. And the very thing that God could have done through them in a short period, a year's experience for them, took them 39 more. Now I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm, you said, how can I do that? Well, they murmured. The Bible says they complained. And that showed their lack of maturity. Did you know that murmuring and complaining is sinful? Read your Bible. Did you know that murmuring, complaining, is sinful? We do it. And a lot of times don't think anything about it. But the Bible says that it was this thing. It was their immaturity that caused a shortened season to be extended. Now, if you don't understand what a season is, a season is simply a time, space, a time. We understand what fall is because we're in the middle of that season. We understand what winter is. We understand what spring is. We understand what summer is. And we get those. Most of us think that it's... Most of us think in Mississippi that we have, we have a summer and then we have a little bit more summer and then we even may have a little bit more summer and then we get spring. But, but sometimes we do get... Summer, fall, you, you get me, uh, winter and spring. Life is the same way. Solomon knew that. Solomon told us, hey, your life, is, it goes in seasons. There's a, there's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. He said there was a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to laugh, a time to cry. All of those things will follow in seasons of your life. And if you're in a good season of your life right now, everything is good. The kids are listening to you. 
your wife is aligning with what you, uh, everything that needs to happen in the house. Come on, somebody. Uh, you got plenty of money. The bills are paid. And everything is great in your life. Praise God for you. But I'm going to tell you that for most people, it, everything does not align that way all the time. And just as sure as you have a spring season in your life, hear me, there is a winter that's coming. And everything, I'm not trying to make you feel bad before you leave here today. I'm trying to prepare you so that you don't lengthen your winter season. Anybody ever been there? I know we had a, a couple of years ago, it seemed like winter just kept going. We couldn't get out of it. And we get to, you know, you get to March and you're kind of like, okay, I'm kind of ready for some sunshine now. I'm kind of ready for some warm weather. I'm kind of ready to see some, some flowers popping up. I'm ready to see some, and you still got those winter seasons. I remember going on spring break one time and we had snow at spring break and I thought, my heavens, will we ever get out of the winter season? Well, in life, you don't want to extend your season. You don't want to make that winter season longer. And the way that you do that is by your approach or your attitude toward what you're going through now. Why? Because you're built, being built maturity. So it's important that you learn the correct behavior for the season you're in. Now here's the thing I want to give to you. There's three points here. I'm going to give them to you as quick as I can. And I'm going to share with you the second that some of you thought I forgot. The first one was that he matures you. But the first point of this today is that, that God was trying to teach the children of Israel, and I believe that he's trying to teach us as we're growing through the wilderness. We're, we're not just going through. We're growing through maturity. Come on, amen? Grow up. It's time for us to grow up. Look at this. Never forget the Lord. The second thing that God wants to do in us, the first, somebody say mature us. The second thing that God wants to do is humble us. Again, I'm going to go back to this and let me just read to you out of verse 2, Deuteronomy 8 2. Never forget the Lord. He's trying to bring humility in our life. He said, and you shall remember the Lord your God. Look at this. That He led you all the way. Isn't it amazing how that we get to the place that we think somehow or another we did everything on our own. God says, remember that the Lord so that he, you know that He led you all of these ways, the 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. Now here's the thing. He doesn't say that He led them one year and then He let them go. The Bible says that He led them all the way. Which meant even through their grumbling, even through their complaining, even through what they were doing, God was still, He was still leading them. God led them all the way, which is proof positive to you and proof positive to me that God's word doesn't change. And when He says that I will never forsake you, I will never leave you, He means that. Aren't you glad? Amen. That God says, I'll go with you all the way. Matter of fact, I was reading as I was studying this past week, I, was, I really wanted to go over into the verses where Moses was talking to the Lord and the Lord was saying, you're going to go into this journey, you're going to go into this wilderness. And Moses said, Lord, I don't mind going just as long as I know that you'll go with us. Listen to me, you just need to understand that at those moments when you feel abandoned that God hasn't abandoned you. 
When you feel at a distance from God, God has not distanced Himself from you. It may be a time that He is being silent, that He is not saying a whole lot, but it's a time that you will mature, that He will humble you and make you realize, baby, you're not doing this on your own. You're not doing this alone. I'm walking with you because there's going to be a time in your life when the Holy Spirit is going to show up and bump you and say, I know you thought you were doing this alone, but I want you to know that I'm still here. I promised you I would not leave you. I would not forsake you. I would hold your hand. I would go all the way with you. I want you to know the second thing that you need to understand is that God does this to humble us. Why? The Bible says that many times through the Scriptures, many times that the Lord would tell the Israelites, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. He's their God. He is God Jehovah. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. He would have to remind them in the most difficult seasons when they would get where there was nothing but seemed like bitter waters. God would have to remind them that he was still their Lord. Why? The Bible. Look at this. The Bible says in these verses to know what was in their hearts. God was checking what was in their hearts. It's amazing how often that when trouble comes in our lives, one of two things normally happens. And I've watched this over and over again. Those who are mature in the Lord will tend to grow closer and run near to Him. Let me say it again. Two things, when you're going through a rough spot in your life, a rough patch in your life, one of two things normally happens. Number one, those that are maturing in the Lord run closer to Him. They know where their help comes from. They know that when the trouble's coming, the problem's coming, where they need to go. The second place, or the second thing that I see happens normally, and that's people that run away. They get more distant from God. They figure that somehow or another that God has forgotten them. They're asking a lot of the why questions. They're wondering why God has abandoned them. And the truth of it is, God is right where they left Him. They have simply stepped away from Him. It's not that they didn't just show up in church. Because nobody gets up in the morning and says, Well, today, family, we're just not going to go to church. Today, we're going to hang out and play games together. And we're just going to spend time together. And, and nobody does that really. Nobody's really, that's not their mind. For most of us, we get up and say, Let's go to church, family. Let's get ready. Let's go. And whatever it takes, let's get there as quick as we can. Nobody else gets up and says, Today, I'm going to backslide and go back on the Lord. Today, I'm not going to live my life like I used to. I'm going to tell you that there was a song written that says it's a slow thing. It's a slow thing. It's one morning that you get up and decide, you know what, today I'm not going to go to church. Today I'm not going to do what I normally do. Today I'm not going to worship like I normally do. And you know what? It isn't at that moment that you may have uh, you turn your back on God. It may be something else and something else. But before you know it, you're at a distance from God and you're and, and finally you get to the place and you say, God, God, where are you? And God say, I'm right where you left me at. I promised I wouldn't leave you. I told you I would go with you all the way. I know you're in a dark place in your life. Don't lengthen your stay in this season. I want to bring you out. Draw near to me. Come near to me. Come near to me. And I will shorten your season. I, I know that I've been there. I know that I've been there. So, so understanding that you need to remember the Lord because the Lord checks your heart and that it's through the checking of your heart 
It's it's through that checking of your heart. Do I run to God? Do I run away from God? That God's grace, listen to this, humbles me. You know what grace is? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace humbles me and it reminds me I can't do this alone. I've already been alone. I've done it alone. And alone ends up causing me trouble. God's grace humbles me and reminds me I can't do this alone. God's grace has a way of humbling a man when he realizes, you know what, I am very weak. But the Bible reminds me that in my weakness he is strong. That in my frailty, when I can't, most men don't want to ask for help. Do we? I can do this alone. We used to have a video that we used to show, and I found it the other day on, the, on one of our hard drives. And it was about this guy. We were talking about doing our small groups, which I really love. And tonight we've got a small group. So we're all going to go trash Nathan's house later. Some of the men are. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to tra- I tease with him on that. But we're having a small group that we gather together and we come together. And in this video, it was about this guy moving. And in the video clips, they showed him like going up the steps of this apartment with his couch. And he's pushing this couch up this, up this thing. And, and the video would, uh, it would come away and it would show him pulling on it and tugging on it. And then it said life was not meant to, do, not to uh, be lived alone. We had another couple of videos. One was a guy playing ping pong. And you'd see him and he'd hit it and he'd run around and he'd hit it again. And he'd run around and he'd hit it again. Because most of us don't want to ask for help. My favorite out of all of them, we had three of them, was the guy who was on the ski boat. And the guy on the ski boat like sets the throttle, gets back, and he, the boat's taken off and he's being pulled. And it's kind of funny. It is funny. I thought it was funny. But, you know, that's the way we are a lot of times with God. We think, God, I got this on my own. I, I, I don't re- really need your help. But I want to tell you something. God did not mean for you to live your life alone. And he did not mean for you to, li- uh, to do life alone. He meant for you to have help. So grace humbles me. The constant question we're always asking God is, God, why did you bring me here to this what seems like a deserted place to to forget me? Verse 3 reminds us why. He says, so he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger to get where you had need. And then it says, and he fed you that which you did not know. Manna means, anybody know? What is it? And I was trying to get that out. It kind of stumbled me up earlier. And he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers, that that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. His answer is that he's trying to check our heart. He's trying to humble us because his grace humbles us. But when you have plenty in life, it's easy to forget. When you can pay your bills, you don't really think about it. When you can pay your bills, you're not really thinking about whether you need to give your tithe or not. Oh, I'm preaching better than some of y'all are helping me. You don't really think about it. But you get down to a point where you're in a tight spot. And you don't know whether you need to pay your tithe or buy bread. Come on, somebody. You don't know whether to give in the offering Come on, are you helping me here? Are you with me? Or to pay your car note. Can I tell you something? Be faithful to the Lord and do not forget Him. Because you didn't get where you are without Him. 
Well, I worked with my hands and I did this myself. And I, Let me tell you something. If God didn't breathe out in the morning, you wouldn't breathe in. And if God didn't tell your hands to move, they wouldn't move. And your feet to hit the floor, they wouldn't hit the floor. It's only by His grace. Amen. His grace humbles us. If you've got everything you need, it's easy to forget. God reminded them at the most difficult days of their life in their journey when He provided water for them, when He gave them food, when He gave them shelter, the most basic human need that they had. The problem that a lot of us have is we seem to believe that what we want is what we need. And the truth of it is most of us don't need what we want. And God wants to give us what we need, not what we want. Good, good friend of mine. And he may be he may watch today. And if I called name, some of you'd know. He sent me a picture yesterday, and he had his new truck, brand new truck, up on a rollback. And I said, "Man, what is wrong?" You know, I mean, it's a brand new truck. It's one of them that you know most of us guys we kind of salivate over that. You know, it's brand new. I mean, brand new. I'm talking about dollar two ninety eight new. And he's on a rollback. And I said, "Man, what happened?" And he said, "I don't know." And he, he kind of gave me, you know, what we do diagnostic. Well, the power steering went out, and then it just it overheated and died. I said, "Man, I'm talking about brand new." And if I say what brand, some of y'all gonna get offended at what brand it is, so I won't say that. But and I said to myself. I said to him, I said, you know what that tells me? It doesn't matter how new or old it is, they all end up with problems. Or they can. Come on, somebody. They end up with issues. And, and so sometimes, you know, we get to thinking, I'm using this for an example. Let's just get a brand new one because a brand new one's going to do a lot better than one that didn't. My, my son used to call it new brand. Get a new brand one. And, and a new brand one sometimes ain't any better than an old one. Come on, somebody. Because here's the thing in life. Everything uh, that's around us is failing or dying. The systems fail us. The things around us die. You can get a brand new car and look, you can make the payments on it. But after the kids have eaten fudgesicles in the back seat for about six months and it smells like dog hair on the inside, you get tired of paying the notes. They don't seem to do as good. Listen, God wants to remind us that everything we want in life isn't always what we need in life. So to humble you and to check your heart to let you know that I'm still God, I'll let you get into a place where you don't know what to do but cry out to me. Call out and say, God, I need your help. I don't know what else to do. Come on, somebody. You ain't never lived till you've had to sit on the hood of a broke-down Dodge station wagon and ask our minivan and say, God, I don't know what else to do, but I told you I'd praise you in the storm. Amen. So grace... Why do we need grace? Grace grace is attracted to a humble heart. We need a humble heart. Secondly, let me, let me give this one to you. I thought I'd be real short here this morning. That's usually the way it goes. The second thing he told them was never give in to sin. Now that seems real practical. But you know what? Never giving in to sin, sin in our hearts shows us there is heart issues. The problem we have today in, in our life is a heart thing. It's not... It's not a lot of other things that we think that it is. Numbers 11 and 4 said this. Now the mixed multitude, somebody say mixed multitude. There's something I want to show you with this. Who was there among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? Now they're, they're leaving out or they're 
out in the wilderness. God's given them manna to eat. There is a group, I want you to notice, maybe you've never seen this before, that the Bible calls a mixed multitude. There is people that are with them that are not Israelites. Do your study and you're going to find this is true. The mixed multitude, one translation, calls them the rabble, R-A-B-B-L-E. And the Bible in Exodus 12 and 38, as the children of Israel are getting ready to leave Egypt, the Exodus, they're going to have Passover. They're going to get out. Moses is going to lead them out. Look at this. The Bible says in, in Exodus 20, uh, 12 and 38 that there were non-Israelites, the mixed multitude, the rabble who left Egypt. Look at this. And, and in that chapter or that verse says, went up with them. Okay, hang on a minute. What do you mean, Pastor? Where are you going with this? Well, 1 Corinthians 10 taught us that in the New Testament that these things happened to the children of Israel so that they would not, or, or, or as our example, so that they would learn not to lust. Now, just real quickly, when I say the word lust, most especially practical people look at that and say, lust, oh man, that's, we, there's so many sexual overtones with lust, which was never really, the, 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 the terminology was never that. Lust actually meant an unbridled desire, which could be sexual, but it also can be overeating. It can be overbuying or overspending. Are you with me? So hold with me just a moment. So he says, don't, don't have these unbridled desires. And 1 Corinthians says, I let you see this, the New Testament, Paul was speaking, so that you would understand and learn from this. You wouldn't have that in your own life. So it was Israel's strong, unbridled desires that the Bible says extended their wilderness journey. Here's the thing that I want to show you and here's something I want to get to you is that the rabble, the mixed multitude, the non-Israelites that went up with them was simply the explanation that we would give for what we would call the world. It's, it's the world. I, I, I've read it so many times and I've read so many different translations but I really got to digging on this mixed multitude and what I realized was there were some that were non-Israelites that went out of there with them into the wilderness that God never intended for that group to go with them but they exited, they went with them, they took part of the world with them. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You cannot hold on to part of the world and God at the same time. If you try or you allow part of the world into your life, it's going to mess with your stuff because the Bible said it was the mixed multitude who had strong desire, who kept saying, we had meat in, in Egypt. We had something to eat back there. Can we not get some steak on the menu, God? And the Israelites listened and they began to follow their strong desire, their lustful ideas, and they began to complain against God. And they began to say, God, I know that you've provided for us in the past. I know that you've given to us manna, but can you not give us steak on the menu? Here's the thing. Steak's not a bad thing. 
unless all you have in the house is bread. Let me say it again. Steak's not a bad thing unless what God has on the menu is bread. And the timing of what you're asking for is not God's timing. Let's just let's throw this out there. There was a there was a whatever lottery Powerball here not too long ago. And some of you that keep up with that, and, and 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 it was it went crazy, and people buying tickets and standing in line to get tickets and and trying to win this money that they had a better chance of standing out in the middle of a rainstorm thundering and getting hit by lightning than they did winning it. But people will do that. Why is it then, if God could use that money, why doesn't He give it to somebody in church who makes, let's just say, $40,000 a year? How, did anybody know how much did it go to? How much? $1.6 billion. A bunch. A lot of zeros. Here's the thing. I'm going to use Pastor Ted. I'm going to use Pastor Tony. I'm going to use Pastor Tagan. Listen to me. If we had that much money and we split it, I'll even throw Brother David in the bunch. We split it among us four ways. That's more money four ways than we have ever seen in our lifetime in anybody's account. And if God allowed me to have... The whole cake, when all I really needed was a cupcake, it may cause my demise. As a matter of fact, there was a guy in our denomination years ago that won a bunch of money. And the first thing he says, I'm going to give him a tithe. I'm going to do all this. And guess what? He is flat broke and the church never, I'm not talking about this church particularly here, but the church in general didn't never seen a dime of the money because he could not handle what he had. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's saying don't, don't, don't uh, give in to sin. Don't give. I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to have, but God's not going to give to you what you're not, what you cannot handle. He's not going to give any more to you than you're able to take care of. And if he did, he might end up into something that you would not want. Listen to me, there's nothing wrong with steak and having steak but it breads on the menu why don't you trust God that he knows what's best for you that day why don't you believe that God knows exactly what you need when you need it it isn't about your wants it's about what God wants to give you in your needs alright listen to this the Bible says they refused to wait on the timing of God and because of that they failed to discern the season that they were in they demanded a harvest in a winter season and they failed to trust God in patience knowing that they were in a hard place knowing that God wanted to bring them into a promised a good place they needed to leave Egypt and they had an Egypt mentality when they left are you hearing me they've been there 400 years they've raised several generations in Egypt look at this hear what I'm about to tell you we have been let out of sin by Jesus Christ we have come out of bondage we're out of condemnation we're out of our hopeless situation but we've still got a, land, a lot of land to cover hear this Proverbs 4.23 says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life it's not good enough 
just to get out of Egypt. You must get Canaan into your thought pattern because getting out is only half of the journey. There's too many people walking around with an Egypt mentality. Galatians 6 and 9, look at what he says. So let us not get tired of what's of doing what is good. Thirdly, this is my last one. Very three simple points. Very simple, very basic, very practical. Number one, remember the Lord. Number two, don't give in to sin. Number three, never give up. Deuteronomy 8 and 6, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. It is possible to do the will of God and not receive His promises because you did not persevere. It is possible, let me say it again, to do the will of God and not receive His promises because you didn't learn to persevere. You did not learn to endure. The Bible says that he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. We cannot give up. We cannot quit. The one thing that you and I need to understand is we have to keep on this journey no matter what's going on in our life. Doing the will of God is very important but you can do the will of God and not receive his promises because you did not endure give you a prime example we're talking Wednesday night and we're talking about band instruments kids in band $3,000 in band and the kids come home and say after a month or two in band I don't want to play anymore I'm done. You weren't raised by my daddy. You're going to play it or you will eat it for supper. Your choice. It's, it seems hard, don't I? I know it sounds hard. You can get the clarinet, you can get the tuba. The trumpet, you can get the drums. You can receive that, but never learn to play that if you don't practice and persevere. And so many times we live, or we live in a society that says, you know, it's easier just to give up as to learn to play it. It's easier to quit than it is to keep going. And we've got to learn that our greatest battle is not back in the world doing what we've always done and we know how to party and we know how to do all of that stuff. Our greatest battle is learning how to be an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Our greatest battle is the one of not giving up when the things get so bad, when we get in between on our journey, in our days, when things get tough, when things get rough, not giving up got a faith question. Will you keep showing up even when you feel like your prayers aren't being answered? Even when you feel like your dreams aren't being coming true? Matter of fact, Hebrews 10, 35 and 38 says this, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember a great reward, what the great reward is, and it brings you patience, endurance. Uh, patience, in patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He's promised. You notice that? So don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Why? Because you can do all of these things, but when, once you endure, then you will receive the promises of the Lord. Verse 37, For in a little while, the coming one, capital, 
one will come and not delay and bring my righteous ones with him. Look, they will live, how? By faith. But I take no pleasure in the one who turns away. I'm sharing and we're going to close here just, just momentarily and pray. Simple, very simple. I know you guys, many of you have heard this story so many times you probably wished I wouldn't, wouldn't tell it anymore. And part of it is, is probably helping me more than it helps you. But an example for you is this. There's a lot of days that I go and we get closer to this time of the year. I think about my dad. I think about him. I can't help it. He loved, he loved the holidays. He loved Thanksgiving. He loved, he liked it. He liked to eat like I like to eat, but that wasn't his favorite. His favorite thing was having family around. And I lost my dad in the middle of December, just 10 days before Christmas. And that was the hardest thing that I think I have in my life ever been through. And part of me telling this over and over again, I know is helping me more than it helps you, but it's my story. I, I had asked for prayer. I had prayed for him. And none of that seemed to make any difference. I remember where I was sitting when he called me the first time six, seven years before he passed away, sitting in Atwood Chevrolet waiting on the service uh, vehicle to be serviced. And him to call me and tell me one of the first procedures that he had went through. I, I, I can see that in my mind visually, and that's been several years ago. And after he passed, honestly, I felt like I had somehow was a failure because I had preached about this faith. I had preached about this wilderness journey. I had, I had been there, but everything that seemed like I had preached about and to people about faith and about prayer and about healing, none of that seemed to work. It wasn't working for me. When he first told me about his illness, I prayed, and it was easy, but the second year came and he was still sick and, and it was not too hard but the fourth year came and he was still sick and the fifth year and he just got worse and then the sixth year came and then he passed and I had to ask God over and over again God how do I keep standing up before people sharing with them my faith and preaching about your healing about your faithfulness when I feel like Somehow, I failed. And the enemy used that as a springboard. And I know that many, there's, there's guys in here right now that I, I, I look at you and I think about you losing your fathers. Many of you shared with me about that and how tough that was and, and, and how this story has helped you. But I'm sharing it with you because I want you to understand it was a wilderness time for me. It was a dark place. It's, it's probably the darkest place. Losing him was a very dark place. A year later became a very darker place. Almost one year. Because I got to the place where I was starting to hear everything the enemy was saying and believing it. So there's one thing to hear what he says and then turn away from it. But it's another thing to start believing what he says to you. And he kept saying to me, 
God's brought you out here and, and what he's going to do is not only is your dad gone, now he's going to take you too. And he's punishing you because this is his disapproval on your life and, and this is the whole issue. This is the issue. And you know, we, we turn around and say, well, I don't, you know, that never, never happened to me. I hope it doesn't happen to you. But it was a very difficult, dark hour for me. Very difficult weeks and months and time went on. And it wasn't until I heard and began to realize that God's promises had not changed and I started reading them back over and I started believing them again and I started listening to what God was saying to me and I heard the words that he would never leave me, that he would never forsake me, that he was walking with me all the time, that he would always be there. And then I heard this phrase here not long ago and I, I wrote it down because I wanted to share it with you. And I, I have shared it with some, but I want to share it with you. And it was something I heard. It wasn't something that I came up with. But it says this, that God would never put anything on you that Jesus took on the cross to free us. That God would never put anything on you, you know, His disapproval. God, God's not putting that on you. He's not, putting, he's not punishing you. Jesus went to the cross to take your punishment. He went to the cross so that you didn't have to die. Eternal death. Are you with me? And God would not put anything on you that Jesus took on himself to free us. It's not his, it's not his plan. And the wilderness journey for me was more about what a battle inside, more about what God wanted to win in me than the battle he wanted to win for me. Say it again. The wilderness journey for me was more about the battle that God wanted to win in me more than he, the battle that he wanted to win for me. And I don't know who God's dealing with today, but I just want, I just want you to know something. If you're in a moment and a place, wherever it's at, and you're asking yourself over and over again, God, why? I don't understand. God, I don't, I don't know why. Is it possible that God's brought you through or bringing you through a place and the battle that you feel like you're in is more about Him winning what's, that needs to be, the ground that needs to be won in you than what He wants to win for you? In other words, there's something God wants to do inside of you more than save maybe your kids that you keep praying for that are lost right now. He's, got, he's working and He wants to do that, but there's something He wants to do for you first. There's something He needs to do in your life. There's something that He's trying to do. There's something that He's trying to do in you. Will you yield enough to say, God, I don't know what it is, but I believe that if there's a battle that you're trying to win in me, I need to, I want to, I want to humble myself, check my heart, and Lord, do it in me today. Would you stand with me?